Welcome to Open Door, and I'm Bill Effler. And uh, this is actually session three of four sessions that I gave. Uh, I was speaking at a conference, and I spoke for over an hour on resiliency. And so what we've done is we've broken that uh, 65-minute presentation uh, up into three different units. And today we're talking about removing stones. And specifically, I want to make the comment that when we think about removing stones or obstacles or hindrances in people's lives, uh, you know, that's easy for me to think about as a counselor, somebody who's worked in the area of addiction for many, many years. Uh, perhaps when you think about removing stones, you think about people whose lives are bankrupt, who have uh, been put out in a ditch and lives are marked by incredible disrepair. And you'd be right in, in saying some of that. But in this third session, uh, I'm talking specifically about obstacles that are found in church people. My experience has been, and I'm thinking about the words of Jesus where he says that he came that we would have life and have it to the full. Uh, my experience is that many people today have life, but they don't have abundant life. They have marriage, but they don't have successful marriage. They have finances, but they have more month than, than money. Essentially, they're living on the wrong side of the comma. And so in this particular session, uh, I'm talking about what does it mean to remove stones, specifically stones that are found within the faith community. Uh, perhaps a little bit edgy, but uh, I felt that this information was important. And so I share it with you. And I hope you enjoy the video. God bless. You see in your notes here, uh, the, the, the words becoming civilized, the reality of woundedness found in a leader's life. And it happens. It's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to many of you. What does be, becoming civilized mean? Well, Greg and I were, were leading a small group here on, on Wednesday night. And I was not intending to, to share with that group that which I'm going to share with you, uh, but it came out. Have you ever had that thing? You're teaching away, and all of a sudden, you know, some, something comes flying out of your mouth. And so I began what I was about to say in this manner. I said, I confess I'm a fan of the Rocky film series. I totally lost all credibility. <laughs> and I said... But in Rocky III, he has now become the undisputed champion of the boxing world, or the fighting world. Uh, he's now married, he has a child, lives in the big house, has the fast cars, still has his motorcycle, uh, and is dressing like he just stepped out of Maxim magazine. Okay? And a, a much younger uh, fighter appears on the scene played by, uh, um, oh, come on, Mr. T, Clubber Lang. And so Clubber Lang challenges him. He, he says, I'm going to beat you, you fool. I haven't even gotten to my Burgess Meredith imitation yet. He says, I'm going to beat you, fool. And, and Rocky wants to fight him. And Burgess Meredith, who plays, you know, the Mick, that, that, that great trainer, he says, you can't win. 
He'll knock you to the moon and back within three rounds. And Rocky re, 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 uh, rebukes him. He says, I can beat him. And then Burgess Meredith says this. He says, what's happened to you happens to most successful fighters. You become civilized. You remove, you remove the word fighter, your ministry has become civilized. Your marriage has become civilized. Your prayer time has become civilized. You know, I don't know how many times over the years I had students come to me and they're saying that they were bored with their prayer life and I would always secretly say, but never say out audibly, have you ever thought that Jesus got bored with your prayer life before you ever did? And I want to say, when you become civilized, you lose anointing. Bottom line. It's important. So let's get back to John. And I've written down here obstacles to reboot. And this is found in your text. First obstacle, well, first blank for you to fill in, you would be writing down the words false beliefs. And I provided the text for you here that both sisters, not just one, but both say, if only you had been here, our brother would not have died. They thought because we are chill with Jesus, because we are in connection with Jesus, that things can't go wrong. It's not true. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, I thought ministry was going to be a whole lot easier than, I, than I've experienced in the last 40 years. I thought because I was being faithful and I was being moral and I was being ethical and I was being obedient that I would be able to punch the, the card and be able to get out of you know, jail free. Not a chance. False beliefs. But a second blank for you to fill in would be the word, and this is my interpretation of the text. This is a little bit of a stretch. But because the sisters believed that because they were friends with Jesus and Jesus did not show up when he should have shown up, your second uh, obstacle here is that they became disillusioned with their relationship with Jesus. And if you're really honest with yourself, you've had that dis disillusionment. Jesus, you said. And when I, when I think ab about this, that disillusionment takes place because somebody has believed an illusion. I said to you before that unless a person has a grip on reality, they are in serious trouble. So disillusionment. Third thing here, and this is very clear in the text, it's just one word. An obstacle to removing stones is blame. Is blame. And, you know, when I'm talking to couples who are uh, tr having troubles in their marriage, I mean, you know, this, this year, I had a first. I had an, an 86-year-old woman and an 85-year-old man come to me for counseling. And when I I read the chart and I, and I looked at the birthday and I went, my goodness, they're octogenarians. And when they came in and they looked at me and I looked at them, I must have had some type of look on my, my face. <laughs> I said, you need to be telling me about marriage. Well, the reality is, is after that first session, I said, I need to see each of you individually 
Because what I had to say, when I felt like the Lord is downloading me, I needed to talk to them individually. And after I did that, I said, now you can go home and you can talk to Roger, and Roger, you can go talk to Alice, the, not the real names. And, and, but I'm not going to say anything about our session together. So then I get them back together for, for a third session. This time it's together. And she said, he's a different man. And one of the reasons being is that I got into his face. And I said, just because, you know, you have your big study concordance Bible and have all your theology, you know, laid out and how you need to be the head of the house. I said, do you realize that, that one of the words for bishop or leader in the Greek is eunuch? You didn't like that, okay? But when they came back, she said, he's a different man. This aspect of, of blame, I want to tell you, when it comes down to, uh, you know, setting captives free, uh, that, is, that is there very, very clearly. And then lastly, this, this last one uh, is, is obvious. Now, the, they make reference to the fact that he's been in the tomb for how many days? And if they roll the stone away, what's going to happen? It's going to smell. They're, they're giving a rational, logical reason why they should not roll the stone away. We've never done it that way before. Seven last words of a dying church. The other seven words are last person out, turn off the lights. But that fourth blank to fill in is one word. It's resistance. And you're going to find people and as a small group leader, as a pastor, as a counselor, you're going to find people resisting you for very, very logical reasons. It makes total sense to them. These people are very sincere in their methodology, but they are sincerely wrong and do not know it. My young, you know, former heroin friend, and I was on the phone with him today, and, and, and he's not a believer yet but he's this far away, this far away. And so much of his pushback. You know what his opening comment to me was when I met with him the first time? He said, I don't trust anybody. I said, I got trust issues too, especially with church folk. Because I see a desperation in people that have lost stuff that I don't see in many people in the church. And then he said this, he says, but use one of them. I said, yeah, but I'm not religious. He says, you're going to need to explain that. And that's what our relationship has been like. It's been an awesome thing.